Hi there, it's Mike Williams of Genesis and welcome to Investor Insights. Uh, we are pleased to have you for this latest episode and want to thank you in advance for your time. Uh, you know, we're going to call this episode No Risk, No Reward. Uh, you know, we've all gone to the gym and heard, you know, no pain, no gain. Well, capital and wealth building and investments are much like that, except people have been, you know, en masse kind of taught something that we would call uh, not only uh, ineffective and, and outright false, but more importantly, the, the basis upon which they have associated risk has caused decades of the wrong reaction to market events. Uh, so let me try to delve into that and explain what I mean. First of all, <clears throat> every single thing you have ever done until now to invest with the intention of making a gain, I don't care what it was, you were taking risk. Um, most people think there was no risk in something that worked out just fine. In other words, if you bought uh, you know, DuPont at 20 bucks and sold it for 60, no one would ever be able to convince you that you took risk because it worked out just fine. You tripled your money. Your your mind would not say, hey, Bob, you know, you were taking risk the whole time. <laughs> uh, but indeed you were. Uh, when you bought it at $20, DuPont, like any other company, can indeed go to zero. Now, I don't I don't say that everything can go to zero to cause, you know, tremors of fear. What I say it for is the same reason we tell all of our clients, and we've done so for 30 years, understanding that risk is in everything tends to allow your mind to not react as though you're surprised when something goes down. <clears throat> you see, I think where this burned into people's minds is that uh, for many years in the 1982 secular bull market that lasted until the tech bubble top in 2000, for many years, first of all, people ignored it. Uh, you know, you can follow uh, the inflows of mutual funds, which is typically where the public can be, you know, their footprints can be seen in the flow of money in and out of markets. What you find is that uh, somewhere between 12 and <clears throat> 15 years of the 1982 bull market went by before people finally felt good about the stock market. <clears throat> you know, for so long, they just assumed any second it was going to go down. Now, in those last couple of years, though, uh, you know, people bet the ranch and they didn't understand risk until it hurt them, until the chisel of risk showed up in the value of their account. Then then they got risk. Then they uh, felt the negative side of risk. Now, unfortunately, what their mind then uh, interpreted from that process is that, uh, gosh, um, I guess I don't know how to do this, so I'm going to leave. And they left at the lows, and many never came back. They did the same thing in the 08 and 09 lows, and many never came back. Um, what I think 
the last part of the decade of the 90s into the top of the tech bubble taught the crowd is that markets are easy. All you got to do is buy and then you sell for more money. Um, I, I just can't tell you how preposterously unsafe that perspective is. Uh, but I, I say that for knowledge, not for fear. Uh, I say it because once we understand that risk is in every single thing we do, then we realize that reacting to the pain of risk is often not even an effective reaction. It is managing the risk, the known risk, uh, that uh, allows your mind to interpret things more logically than emotionally. If I know that everything I do to invest for a gain has risk, then I'll be aware of it. I'll be more understanding of how that risk might show up. I might use tools that better diversify me. I might use tools that can hedge me. I might understand that there are times along the process that while I'm building my wealth, my accounts will indeed go down on the way to extravagant returns. Uh, you know, the guy who made the most money is the guy who bought in 1982 and never sold. Never, ever sold. Uh, that person has watched capital expand by dozens of times over. Um, it's always fun to watch that people think, and when I say people, I don't mean you specifically, but the general public believes, unfortunately, that there is some pathway by which you can sell when it's uh, high and know exactly when it's low and buy back in. Uh, but the mind doesn't work that way, and nor does the market. Um, what unfortunately is one of the dirty little secrets of Wall Street, that Wall Street does not want to sell you because then you might be nervous. They want you to think that just following them will get you out of risk. Um, not true. Um, what you need to understand about building wealth is the roadway to wealth your ultimate successes and meeting your financial goals indeed must include the setbacks that we suffer through. Study upon study proves that if we try to outguess the market and we try to perceive ourselves as fortune tellers and we do battle with our emotions and by the way that is the most that is the worst enemy you'll ever face at your own emotions. If we try to do all of that, then what we tend to find is that we miss all the good days and we get the average days, the bad days, or the negative days, or the flat days, or, or periods where nothing happens. And if we miss, say, the 10 best days of the year, well, then our rate of return is automatically cut in half or more. Uh, you can Google any report you want to Google and ask the internet, what happens if you miss the 10 best days of the year? <laughs> you're you're uh, destined to not meet the financial goals that you have happily set about for you and your family. So what's the, the lesson here? Um, I think the lesson is there's nothing wrong with risk uh, as long as you manage it. Now, if you're taught by a sales process or a newsletter or a Wall Street advocate, if you're 
taught that there's some way you can invest without risk, then the um, introduction of risk can be quite startling. Uh, it, it can cause you to do very foolish things uh, that you only recognize years later and unfortunately at prices that are so different it's hard to fix once the mistake has been made. But let me tell you what not understanding risk does. It leads to what we call the two most expensive actions in portfolio management. You buy what's working and you sell what isn't working because you think that's risk. Well, the odds favor the exact opposite is the process one wants to target over time. You want to buy what's out of favor and sell what's in favor because hopefully you've bought it when it was out of favor. <laughs> so, you know, when when the markets in real estate were topping and everybody and their brother was saying just buy Toll Brothers, um, we have been on air multiple times saying broadly to the public, look, now that everybody wants real estate, the secret's out. There is no secret. There's no value in buying what everybody else is buying. What you want to do, and we repeated this repeatedly, you want to find now what everybody's going to love five years from now because you want to be selling it to them. You know, there was an old saying on the, wall, on the, on the floor when we traded on the floor uh, many, many years ago, and that's, that's this. When the ducks are quacking, you have to feed them. You know, when the noise is the loudest and most positive is when you're watching highs be formed. When the noise is all about risk and, oh, terrible events and the future is dark, well, you can bet you're pretty darn close to the end of the pain. And by the way, the cheapest, most valuable prices. So let's get back to that no risk, no reward thought process. And let's try to summarize. Again, the idea of accepting risk is not designed to fear. It's indeed designed to extract the reaction to fear that we all make mistakes from. It's designed to accept that everything we do has a risk to it. It's not, that's just a statement. It's not, a, it's not an emotional event, or it shouldn't be an emotional event. Properly managed, risk can actually be your friend. It's the existence of risk that creates the reward. In fact, what you'll find is the more risk you take, the higher the reward, if indeed the risk-taking process works out well. Uh, if I buy something that is perilously close to failing and it turns out that it doesn't fail, well, my reward can be fairly significant. Uh, if I buy something out of favor and I have the patience and discipline to wait for it to come back into favor, then that indeed is a solid management of risk, but it's an acceptance of the risk. Let me give you a thought this way. Let's pretend you and I are looking at a piece of land that is um, <clears throat> in a part of town that's I don't know, right now nobody wants to live there, you know, but there's only a certain amount of real estate and, and we might say to ourselves, well, right now I can buy that piece of real estate for 30% of what I think it's ultimately worth once people like that part of town again. 
sure enough, as long as I'm willing to let time pass and let things move along in their ordinary formation, and I don't try to be impatient and I don't react emotionally to headlines, then what I might find later is that when people want to live in that part of town again, they're going to very likely be willing to pay me more than 30% of its value when it's popular again. And hence, I make money. But I took risk the entire time. Let me give you another example. You know, we were on air on Fox News on the Board of Trade, right on the trading floor, um, very close to the traders that handle the gold pit. And I was uh, asked a question in October of 2012 uh, about gold. And uh, we had been in Barron's in 1998 suggesting we buy gold. Back then, nobody wanted gold. It was $245 an ounce. So it was an unpopular thought. I mean, why buy gold? It's been doing nothing for 20 years. Of course, that was the perspective in 1998. But our thought again was, well, what will people want five or 10 years from now? Well, sure enough, things unfolded and gold went much higher than $240 an ounce. But when it was 1800 in fact, on the day we were on the Board of Trade floor, it was 1875 and I was asked by our good friend uh, Sandra on Fox Business News, hey, what are you guys doing with your gold? And we had actually sold it just recently. And we said, you know, as a matter of fact, the trade is over for us. And she even referenced the Barron's R. said, but Mike, you know, you bought gold when it was cheap. And I said, yeah, that's the whole point. And I chuckled and she said, well, you know, everybody is sure this is going to $3,000 an ounce. And I said very openly, I hope it does for everybody who owns gold at $1,875. But here's the key, Sandra. If you own gold at $1,875 and it goes to 3000 that's the very same percentage rate of return as buying a stock for $10 and watching it go to $14. Now, that's not a very exciting move for us. But if we bought it for $240 and sold it at $1,800, well, now that is a very different move than 40%. So what sounds more exciting, a stock that goes from 10 to 14 or gold that goes to $3,000. You know, at the end of the day, we have to understand we're human. We're all human. We're all wired the same. And unfortunately, our biggest enemy in investing is our emotions. The idea of understanding that risk is part of everything you do and we just have to manage it well and not ignore its existence or be surprised when it shows up and if we can do that, we will stop the emotional errors that so many in the crowd make every single year, and it causes such a lackluster result on meeting financial goals. So just remember, the idea that risk exists in anything we do should not be feared. It should be understood, accepted, and managed. So I hope this has helped. I uh, hope the insights of today have been valuable to you. Look forward to the next time. And listen, until then, may your journey be grand and your legacy 
be significant. Have a great day.